0: Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
1: It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy is on a beach, we think, unless he's been kidnapped by pirates, unless he's become a pirate. This is Rich Zioli from WPHC in Philadelphia. Great to be with you this afternoon on a busy day on Fox Across America. And, of course, your chance to weigh in on your radio safe space 888-788-9910, of course. Like Jimmy always says, you can be a Republican, you can be a Democrat, just don't be a beep, all right? And uh, there's a lot to discuss today. I'm broadcasting from Philadelphia, where the mayor of Philadelphia no longer wants to be mayor of Philadelphia. You might have heard this. Jim Kenney, the mayor, and we have the audio for you, we'll play it. He actually was whining after two cops were shot on the 4th of July in Philadelphia. Just a little background on Philly and how bad things are. I will tell you one thing. It is really bad for, me, for for everyone who lives and works here, the crime problem. Carjackings are out of control. Shootings are out of control. We have one of the highest homicide rates in the entire country. And it all stems from we have a very, very woke progressive prosecutor. This guy named Larry Krasner. Um, he believes the criminals are the victims. And so he lets them all go. And the mayor doesn't really talk ever. He stays behind his safe space in City Hall, and he just every now and then comes on and lectures us about vaccines, and that's about it. Well, it's so bad in Philadelphia that even on the 4th of July, there were shootings. I mean, every day, there's shootings in the city. You talk about mass shootings in America, that term. Well, every night in Philadelphia, there's mass shootings. I mean, people are getting, um, they're terrified. They're terrified to leave their houses. I'm not exaggerating. In neighborhoods in Philadelphia, there are people who used to be able to cooperate with the police, and they would tell cops things. You know, they would tell them who the bad guys were, but the cops would pick up those bad guys. And then the bad guys are back on the street, so they stopped telling the cops who the bad guys are. So the bad guys have overrun things. So two cops got shot the other night. Thank God they're both, they, they survived. And thank God, because one of the officers, a bullet, grazed his head and was in his hat. I mean, it's a miracle he survived. Well, Jim Kenney, the mayor of Philadelphia, comes out and starts whining that he does not want to stay mayor anymore of Philadelphia. And then yesterday he came out as he was defending himself and said, here's the deal. Uh, I want to go to Canada. He literally said that. He said he feels safer in Canada and Europe. The Democrat mayor of Philadelphia feels safer in Canada or Europe than he does in his own city. So I, for one, have said I think he should go to Canada and he should resign as mayor. If he can't wait to not be mayor anymore, then quit. Go. Go to Canada. Hang out with Justin Trudeau. Get a little manscaping, a little grooming. Because I don't know if you've noticed the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau. He is the most manscaped guy there is. I mean, the quaff is perfect. He get, you know he gets the eyebrows waxed. Probably gets the back waxed, too. I'm not judging. I'm Italian. I understand. I'm just saying he's not Italian. He just does it, I think, because he likes it. I, I think he likes it. He really does. And what I'm saying is he's totally woke up there in Canada, Trudeau. He banned handguns recently. He said, you know, we're going to ban handguns and that's it. Nobody can have them. And Jim Kenney, the mayor of Philadelphia, was bragging about that, going, look how great it is that only the cops have guns up there. I mean, ironically enough, the guy who's mayor of the city where the Declaration of Independence was signed by a bunch of rebels who had guns and then proceeded to defeat the strongest army in the world, the British, to maintain our independence, to actually, you know, get us our independence. And in that same city, the mayor of that city— Flash forward years later, says nobody should have guns but the government. It's a little bit ironic when you think about it, right? Because if if that was the case back then, we never would have had a revolution. We couldn't have had a revolution because we never could have fought them. I'm not suggesting we should do it again. I'm just simply saying that it's the height of arrogance for a guy like Jim Kenney, surrounded by heavily armed Philadelphia police officers whose job it is to protect him, even though they don't like him, for this guy to stand up there and say nobody should have guns but the state. Nobody should have guns but the government. That's the way he is. Here's Mayor Kenny. Josh, let's do this. Let's do cut 21 so you can hear it yourself. Everything we have in the city uh, at, over the last seven years, I worry about. I don't enjoy Fourth of July. I don't enjoy the, the, the Democratic National Convention. I don't enjoy the, the uh, uh, NFL draft. I'm waiting for something bad to happen all the time. So it's I'll be happy when I'm not here, when I'm not mayor and I can enjoy some stuff. You're
2: looking forward to not being mayor?
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's looking forward to not being mayor, which, by the way, makes two of us, makes all of us. It's actually all of us. We all have the same thing in common. No one is looking forward to him remaining mayor, and we're all looking forward to him not being mayor anymore. So Jim Kenney speaks for all of us. Finally, the Democrat mayor of Philadelphia speaks for all of us in the country when he says he's he doesn't want to be mayor anymore. We don't want him to be mayor anymore. City's out of control. But this isn't just Philly. This is New York. This is San Francisco. This is L.A. This is Chicago. This is every blue city in America. And what is the heart of this? Is it really the gun violence crisis. I hear that every day when I drive to work. I do the morning show in Philly. And every day I drive to work and there's a radio station in town and they do a special, you're like, dun, 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 the gun violence crisis. As if the guns come to life at night, like toys in Toy Story, and and they just start shooting, firing randomly. It's a criminal crisis because the district attorney doesn't prosecute them. And then they get illegal guns. And even when they're picked up with illegal guns, They're still allowed to go free. There's a Democrat, just so you know, this is a bipartisan thing. There's a Democrat council president in Philadelphia who came out and spoke. And he said, look, the problem is we're picking up people with illegal guns in this city and we're letting them go. We're not prosecuting them. But why is that? Well, it's because whether it's New York, whether it is Philadelphia, Chicago, San Francisco, Los Angeles, you have the same mindset, which is running through these woke prosecutors which is that the criminals are the victims. They're the victims of capitalism and white supremacy and and male paternalism or whatever nonsense they want to throw of the day. That's why they hate the 4th of July. No, they do. You know that, right? A bunch of them, a bunch of celebrities came out and talked about how they all hate the 4th of July. I mean, they really not just the fireworks. They hate the whole thing. They don't want to talk about it. Oh, yeah, you might have seen a couple of them, like Deborah Messing. She's even starting to turn on the president, but she still hates the 4th of July. And I think it was Jessica Chastain. She's the ax, uh, the actress with the uh, gorgeous red hair. She was in Zero Dark Thirty. I don't know if she would ever do that movie again now. It may not be woke enough now. Probably would not be. But remember, because that was a movie about getting bin Laden. So they had some enhanced interrogation techniques in there. And I don't think that a woke celebrity could ever do such a thing in this day and age. But I digress. Jessica Chastain came out on the 4th of July with not one but two middle fingers. And said, here's your freedom, baby. Here's your freedom if you don't like it. But the truth is that Americans are waking up, I think, to what's happening in these cities. And it's not, it's not, I don't want to just say it's a problem that Democrats are the problem. I think it is, because I know Democrats are frustrated too in Philadelphia. I have had on my show in Philly the former mayor, Ed Rendell, who was also governor. I've talked to the former prosecutor of Philadelphia, Seth Williams, who's also a Democrat, I mentioned to you that Democrat council members are also calling on the mayor to resign. They want the prosecutor, the district attorney of Philadelphia to resign. No, it's just that within the Democrat Party, there is a strain of Marxism that's running through them. And I don't mean that as a pejorative, like I'm trying to put somebody down. Oh, you're a Marxist. No, it's a philosophy. It's a political philosophy. Whatever your philosophy is that drives you in life, for them, it's that philosophy. Maybe your, your philosophy is driven by Christianity or maybe it's Judaism, maybe it's utilitarianism, maybe it's, it's, it's um, liberalism, classical liberalism, I mean, you know, the kind espoused by Jefferson and Locke. But, I, but when I mention Marxism, it's because these prosecutors believe that every problem in society stems from capitalism. They believe that in their core. This isn't just a preference. They believe it. They passionately do. And so a guy's a criminal, not because he's a bad guy. A guy's a criminal because the system has so screwed him over his entire life that he has no choice. It's Jean Valjean stealing the loaf of bread in Les Miserables. Only this isn't a guy stealing a loaf of bread. It's a guy stealing your car and also your bread if you happen to have bread in the back seat. And the prosecutors, they think that the carjacker is the victim. So what you do is you don't incarcerate victims. You don't put them away. You put the bad guys away. And who are the bad guys in the mind of the Marxist prosecutors in the country? It is corporations, rich people, white people in power who have pushed down and suppressed people. The irony, of course, in Philadelphia is that the previous district attorney, who's African-American, Seth Williams, has been accused of being a racist by the current district attorney, who's white. And the former mayor of Philadelphia, Michael Nutter, who's black, has said that the current district attorney in Philadelphia, Larry Krasner, who's white, by releasing all these people on the streets, is the height of and the epitome of white privilege because the crime is soaring across the city in largely black and brown neighborhoods. So it's not a racial thing in any way, shape or form. It is a situation where a guy who is a Marxist winds up blaming the system for creating criminals. And so he'd rather spend his time going after the cops. He'd rather spend his time trying to free people who have been incarcerated in the city. He, try to, he spends his time going after corporations. All of the pillars of society. And then whatever woke terms they want to throw around and blame today, the hierarchy, the patriarchy, whatever, they'll throw those out too and blame those, but not the criminals. And so you've got Democrats and Republicans speaking out. You've got African-Americans. You've got white residents. You've got residents of every stripe, every color, poor and rich, old, young. They're all saying the same thing. They're saying our cities are getting besieged. Because what all these cities have in common is that thread that's running through them. And that thread is the belief by these prosecutors that, We have criminals who are unfortunate souls who've been harmed by all of these factors in society. Now, as the former mayor of Philadelphia, Ed Rendell, said to me, who was also a prosecutor and also the governor and a Democrat, he said, look, Rich, it's one thing to talk about how schools are failing or it's one thing to talk about how there may not be enough jobs or something like that. But it's entirely different when the prosecutor of the city has the mindset that it's all of society that is horrible. And all of society is oppressing people to the point of where they have no choice but to become criminals. And since they have no choice but to become criminals, you can't prosecute them. I mean, think about out in California. If you're living in California, you're listening in Fox Crossing America right now, and you know that they're not prosecuting people for shoplifting. Look, I'm not talking about the fun Winona Ryder kind. I'm talking about the kind that goes on all the time over and over again. And they won't prosecute you unless you're I think actually shoplifting the store, like literally packing the store up onto a a truck and driving away with it, I think it's about the only way they'll prosecute you out there. It's bad. It's so bad in San Francisco that the homeless people don't want to stay in San Francisco right now. I'm not kidding. I have a guy who's a friend of mine out there who said even the homeless are leaving the city because they can't take it anymore. It's bad across America. But the good news, though, is that we have an election coming up, and I think people have had it. A new poll came out. It's a Monmouth University poll. and finds 54% of Americans believe the middle class has not benefited at all from the president's policies. And the middle class, they see the crime. They hear about it. There's carjackings in the suburbs. The economy is hurting right now with gas and inflation. So the good news is it's like sometimes when you have that, that uncle who drinks a little too much and maybe there's the Thanksgiving dinner and you know maybe he spills red wine in his wife's white pants and you go, all right, we've hit rock bottom here. We, it's one, the belligerent talk at the dinner table was one thing, but the spilling of the red wine on the white pants, that's it. We've hit rock bottom. We can only go up from here. And I think we're at that place where we can probably only go up from here. That's the good news that I bring you this afternoon on Fox Across America. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for my buddy Jimmy Fallon, our man, our hero, our leader, who is hopefully fishing right now. We'll be right back.
0: You're riding around with America's cabbie. Taxi! Taxi! You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at
3: quiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.
1: Yes, indeed. The poll numbers are not good for Joe Biden. Not good at all. I'd be worried if I were a Democrat right now running for re-election. I'd be very, very worried, actually. It is Fox Cross America, and it's rich. It's in for Jimmy. Today, it's an honor to be with you. A new Monmouth University poll finds 54% of Americans believe the middle class has not benefited at all from the president's policies. According to the same survey, 88% of people think the country is moving in the wrong direction, well, I'll just 10% say it's heading in the right direction. You know, in politics, and I used to, before I ever got into radio, I, I was in politics and most of my career, advising politicians and working on campaigns, and the right track, wrong track survey is very, very bad for incumbents. I mean, this number is very bad for them, and so that's bad for them. You know what I mean? You can't fudge that. Like You can say fake polls and then all that stuff, and you can go, well, so-and-so is pulling ahead, but actually it turns out to be the opposite on Election Day. People will sometimes lie about who they're voting for, but they will always be honest about how they feel about things. And so when they say that they feel like the country is on the wrong track, they mean it. 88% of people think the country is moving in the wrong direction. 10% says it's in the right direction. That's 88% 88% wrong track, 10% right track, that is bad. You can't, get, you can't come back from that. Too far gone. Too far gone. It doesn't matter. And why? Why is it like this? 33% of respondents said inflation was the biggest concern. 15% said gas prices. But you know it's even more than that. It's, it's the cost of living in general. And it's a, it's a, a sense of hopelessness about tomorrow. This president does not inspire confidence that tomorrow is going to be a better day. He really doesn't. And the latest thing, yelling at gas stations, yelling at gas stations, lower your prices. So gas stations are are all independently owned. He tries to act, well, first of all, he blames Putin. That doesn't work. Then he blames big oil, and that doesn't work. Then he starts yelling at the little gas stations, lower your prices, be a patriot, lower your prices. They don't make that much money from actually the sale of gasoline. They don't. They make money from you going into the store and buying a pack of smokes or a drink, a cup of coffee, a bag of chips, something like that. That's where most gas stations make their money. It's not on the gas, not on the fuel. But Biden doesn't understand economics, so he doesn't know that. Or whoever tweeted that for Biden doesn't understand economics, so he doesn't know that. But if you think about how the average American is feeling right now, even Democrats are feeling powerlessness, powerlessness. It's like the old thing they used to talk about, learned helplessness in animals. You can gauge depression this way. When when animals feel like there's no hope and they just give up and they basically die, That, that sense of helplessness is also something people have a very hard time coming back from. And Democrats say they have hopelessness. One top Democrat strategist said, it's infuriating. Our house is on fire and it seems like they're doing nothing to put the fire out. They're just watching with the rest of us. You've got Hollywood liberal celebrities like Deborah Messing are turning on the president. She had a recent call with the Biden White House, and she reportedly yelled in frustration over the way things are going. In fact, CNN said that Deborah Messing said she'd gotten Joe Biden elected and wanted to know why she was being asked to do anything at all, yelling at her, didn't even seem to be a point to voting. Others wondered why the call was even happening. So. They're all distancing themselves from the failure that is the administration. So now think about midterm elections coming up. You're somebody who's running as a Democrat. What do you, what do you run on? You, what do you, I mean, you run on the escape hatch, obviously. But what do you run on as your case to say to you, hey, I would like your vote? I, the only thing you could do is try to run away from the president and try to say you're a different kind of Democrat. It's the only thing you possibly do. The problem is for Democrats is that there's nothing that is moving voters away from Republicans and it's not overturning Roe v. Wade. That is not moving Republican voters away from Republicans in any way either, because the economy is still the number one issue. That is the reality. But we're going to talk about it all with Congressman Ken Buck. He'll be my guest next straight ahead right here on Fox Across America. It's Rich Zioli from Philadelphia in for Jimmy Fallon coming right back. It is a crazy day in America right now, isn't it? I mean, here we are the week of the 4th of July here on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fela. Jimmy's off today. Jimmy's fishing, possibly collecting starfish. There's an old saying about this man's on the beach and he keeps seeing all these starfish, thousands and thousands of them. And the little boy, probably Jimmy's son Lincoln, says uh, as the dad is throwing the starfish back into the ocean, Dad, what are you doing? He said, I'm making a difference, son. And the kid says, yeah, Dad, but there's thousands of starfish. And the dad says, well, you know what, son? Made a difference to that starfish. And that's the truth. And that's the way Jimmy is, one starfish at a time. And you can be that starfish right now at 888-788-9910 and talk to me, Rich Zioli from WPHD in Philadelphia, city of madness, city of carjackings, city where the mayor does not want to be mayor anymore, but he won't go away. But that's just the way it goes. But I'm very happy to welcome to the program right now, I think that's what Josh said in my ear, that we have Congressman Ken Buck joining us right now, right here on Fox Across America. Congressman, how are you today?
4: I'm doing great. How are
1: you? I'm doing very well. My name's Rich Zioli. I'm from Philadelphia, and uh, we are a city under siege. So it's good to talk to you because I know you're a prominent defender of the Second Amendment, and our mayor just talked about how he believes only – the Government should have guns like they do up in Canada
4: <laughs> that's that's a great vision isn't it uh, that's That's kind of scary I, you know I have to tell you i'm I'm in rural Colorado, and uh, if a person in rural Colorado needed the assistance of the police, um, it could take anywhere from a uh, half hour to forty five minutes for someone uh, a police officer to show up a, a sheriff's deputy to show up. What, what kind of world will we be living in where we are taking guns away from people who want to protect themselves? It's a, it's a crazy concept.
1: It is. And in New Jersey, the governor there, where I live, he just signed seven new gun control pieces of legislation in a state that it's already virtually impossible to even get a concealed carry handgun. So let me begin with you on that. When the Supreme Court made that ruling uh, regarding concealed carry and, and shot down New York's ridiculous arbitrary law, I know you were cheering for that. It was a great ruling for freedom. And in Colorado, I know you've got lots of Americans who walk around and they carry with them all the time. And I know they're just not randomly shooting people in the streets, right? Well,
4: we, we have uh, random shootings. But, you know, interestingly enough, it's at a school uh, where that is a gun-free zone. It's at a mall Uh, We had the Aurora Theater shooting, um, the premiere of a Batman movie, and it was at the mall that was gun free as opposed to all the other places nearby that were not gun free. So, so, you know, these these uh, crazy people who are involved in these mass shootings aren't so crazy that they don't know where their, their prime targets are. And that's what's so scary is as we take more and more guns away from people, we are making more and more targets available to the crazy shooters.
1: Yeah, and you had an op-ed recently that you wrote uh, where you talked about how it's time that we protect schools, and I completely agree with you. We know that they're targets for crazy people, evil people. We know that they know that they can get lots and lots of notoriety and glory if they use a school as a target. So we do have to do more to protect our kids and protect these buildings.
4: Yeah, yeah, we do, and and there are some common sense things we can do. We know that uh, folks who are in the military get great training with guns. They get great training in terms of how to use them and, and how to use good judgment. Same with uh, folks in law enforcement, and when those folks want to go into teaching or administration or coaching, uh, we would have uh, really well-trained individuals in a school that would be able to protect the school, and more importantly, it would it would create that question mark in someone's mind, if I went into this school... Would I be able to accomplish my goal or or am I going to get shot right off the bat by somebody? We can harden schools. We we should have one point of entry for schools and they should be monitored. Uh, So there are things really common sense things we can do to reduce these school shootings and and to make sure that we aren't blaming the gun. We are focusing on the individual and how to protect against that individual.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you, Congressman Buck. And. I think uh, when you think about rural i mean you're in rural colorado i'm in a, I'm in a big metropolitan area here, but I think a lot of the issues that Americans are talking about are all the same it's inflation it's gas prices. What did you think about Biden attacking gas station owners the other day
4: yeah that's that's so misplaced and, and, and America sees through that kind of of rhetoric we for so long we've heard the left talk about shutting down. Fossil fuels, oil and gas drilling. And, uh, in fact, uh, candidate Biden, when he was running for office, uh, said that he would get rid of uh, oil and gas uh, drilling in America. And now we see the result of it. And he can't run away from that. He can't run fast enough away from that. He owns the fact that our gas prices are are high. And uh, now he's begging countries like Saudi Arabia and Venezuela and Iran and other countries, Uh, Many of them dangerous, many of them adversaries to to America uh, to increase production because he won't do it here at home.
1: Yeah, he won't do it here at home. And we could there's so much we could be doing. But I, I just it seems to me and I'm sure you'd agree with this, that the left is happy with the price of gasoline going up because they think everybody will just run out and buy a Tesla. You know, forget the fact that you can't afford a Tesla. Just go out and do it and that'll solve the problem
4: well the irony is that teslas are battery operated and they get their electricity from uh, uh, gas-fired plants we need to produce that natural gas in order for people to drive teslas so so even uh, you know uh, battery operated cars aren't the answer for production of natural gas here in america clean burning natural gas here in america and that's the sad thing we know what's reduced carbon emissions in this country and it's natural gas it's not this transition to renewables because that's going to take decades if if ever uh, we'll be able to accomplish 100 uh, percent renewables we know natural gas is clean and we should be producing a lot more of it
1: congressman ken buck is with me he represents colorado he's on the house judiciary committee he's also a great tweeter too i saw one of your tweets the other day You took a shot at Pelosi over her ice cream addiction, and you said maybe now that the price of ice cream has gone up, Pelosi will care about inflation. Boom, good for you.
2: (laughs) Well, it's so funny
4: because so many of these leaders on the left are are hypocrites. They talk about how we need to shut down oil and gas drilling in America, and then they take their private jets all over the place, and and they increase their uh, carbon emissions, and and they, they want one set of rules to apply to us. And another set to them. Speaker Pelosi put uh, magnetometers all around the House floor so members couldn't carry a gun onto the House floor. And then she and her uh, security detail uh, bypassed those magnetometers on her way into the House floor. So it's, you know, the, the hypocrisy that, that they, they don't apply the same rules to themselves uh, is obnoxious. And, and again, Americans see through it. They know that uh, there's one set of rules for us and there's another set of
1: rules for them. Is that because she turns into a bat and flies over the magnetometers? Sorry, that was uh, my subconscious. I'll, you don't have to answer that, Congressman. Don't worry about that. Uh, let me ask you another topic, too, while I have you today, and that is about, you remember the House Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, China. I want to ask you about China because I heard now that China is getting our oil. So Biden taps the Strategic Petroleum Reserve in a, in a, in a fake attempt to lower gas prices, and somehow our oil ends up on China. I, I also saw a story that China is looking to take over the moon and that NASA and the Pentagon are warning about this, uh, still seems to me like China is absolutely our greatest threat to freedom.
4: I think it is. Uh, Obviously, with Russia's invasion of Ukraine, uh, Russia is threatening uh, Western Europe and trying to coerce Western Europe. And and Western Europe is a huge trading ally for America and and really uh, a politically similar Uh, to to the U.S. But uh, China, in terms of its growing population, in terms of its uh, stealing our technology, uh, pumping fentanyl into this country, uh, all the things that China does to uh, try to undermine the U.S. and not play fairly in the the world marketplace, I I would say it's the number one adversary. You know, what it's done in in terms of trying to shut off uh, shipping lanes into Uh, the Pacific Rim, uh, all those things are dangerous. And and we've got to uh, make sure that we are one step ahead of of China. And we are. We out-innovate China, um, but they out-steal us. And and we need to deal with that issue. President Trump had the backbone to do it. This president does not.
1: Yeah. And last thing I want to ask you is, obviously you were very happy when the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, as was I. uh, But you've called on the Department of Justice to look towards protecting pro-life groups, organizations, and churches. There's, there's the one aspect of the violence towards those groups. There's a whole other problem, too, which is people like Senator Elizabeth Warren going after pro-life charities and, and trying to cut them off and trying to vilify them and make them the bad guys. Um, I'm a dad. I've got, two, I've got three kids. Two of them came to me by way of adoption. And I think adoption is, is, is such a gift. I really do. And I think we could be doing so much more to promote that in America, um but it just seems like there's there's such a war on 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 faith based organizations, on 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 adoption agencies in this country. What can we do about it?
4: You, you know, Rich, it goes back to hypocrisy again. When when um, I was a federal prosecutor in the nineteen nineties and uh, there were attacks on the Planned Parenthood Clinics, and I'm absolutely against violence, always have been. That's why I spent twenty five years as a prosecutor. The president, President Clinton, ordered the U.S. Marshals to protect Planned Parenthood clinics. We had a pregnancy resource center, a pro-life counseling center in my district in Colorado burned down with the words printed on, uh, or or spray painted on it, um, if abortion isn't safe, neither are you. Um, And this president and this attorney general do nothing. They do nothing to use federal resources to protect those who are at risk now. Um, and that's a serious mistake, because ultimately what's gonna happen is we will end up with uh, right-wing violence and, uh, and left-wing violence, and we don't want any violence in this country. We wanna have good, clean political debate. And, and unfortunately, this president, because of his weakness, is allowing the left-wing violence on um, conservative institutions, like uh, Pregnancy Resource Centers, it's a mistake, and, and I think it's a, a real threat to our democracy.
1: And well said. Follow him on Twitter, at Rep. Ken Buck. Congressman Ken Buck, thanks so much for joining me here on Fox Across America.
4: Thank you, Rich. Great to be with you.
1: Same to you. And we will be right back. I'll tell you, there's a, a new report that just came out detailing what's going on at the border. I'm going to share some of that with you as well. And also, uh, gas prices. Stop vilifying the small Gas stations, stop it already. Enough is enough. It's Rich Zioli in for Jimmy today on Fox Across America. As Jimmy Fallon is somewhere being a pirate on a beach. We'll be right back.
0: The show not afraid to call out both sides of the aisle. He's the other side's worst nightmare. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
1: It is Fox Bros. America. It's Rich Zioli broadcasting live from Philadelphia. Jimmy Fail is off today. And uh, surrounded by gun violence. And uh, Charlie from Palm City, Florida. He'd like to weigh in today on everything we're discussing. Charlie, I wish I was in Florida. It's my dream to join so many others in the Northeast and escape to Florida. So you have my jealousy, sir.
5: It's a beautiful area. Actually, Dan Bongino used to live uh, in Palm City.
1: Well, there you go. The finest people.
5: Next door. But I called up your screener and mentioned common sense. And then the congressman mentioned common sense. I don't think we have any common sense left in government, the federal government. Certainly not with uh, Joe Biden. And I also think that I'd love to see term limits for staffers. Those are the unelected bureaucrats that write all the bills that a lot of these people that are in our government don't even read and sign off on. What do you think, Rich?
1: You know what's interesting about common sense is that it's something you and I as smart, educated people take for granted. And I think that the problem is... When people get to Washington, they lose common sense because they're always putting their own ambitions ahead of everything. I think term mm. limits would solve a lot of that. I really do. I think that, uh, you know, common sense would dictate you don't spend your entire career in Congress. I think common sense would dictate you read a bill, right, before you vote on it. Don't I mean, don't you yeah, think, absolutely. Charlie, that that would be common sense?
5: Yeah, I think you should read a contract before you sign it. Sure. And a bill is a contract with, for America. Not on America. It's for America. Down All right, to Vietnam, Charlie, thanks for that that the Fox that. Across
1: America. Appreciate it. All the way from beautiful Florida. Oh, I should have asked you about Governor DeSantis. I think the world of him. Um, it's funny because down in Florida, they were actually people. Gavin Newsom, who's the governor of California, is running ads in Florida. In Florida. And he's doing it under the guise of he wants the people that left California in the pandemic to come home. Come home. But you know why they left? They left because of his draconian lockdowns. They left because it's so expensive. They left because of all the poop on the streets. I mean, really, that's why they left. And uh, red states have been doing very, very well, and not only attracting businesses, but also people, too, who are fleeing blue states. A lot of the what precipitated this was not even the economy as much as it was the lockdowns. And the economy was a nice added bonus to all of that. So Newsom wants to run for president. And so what Newsom is doing is he's running an ad in Florida. Why? Because Florida's a swing state. You've got to win it. And he wants the matchup to be Newsom-DeSantis. That's what he's thinking right now in his head. So he's going right to ground zero of Florida, trying to get his well-coiffed head on the faces of every Floridian down there. But it's not going to work because you'd have to be nuts. You never hear of anybody leaving Florida for California. You notice that? You don't hear people leaving Texas to go to California. I mean, unless they have to for work or something. But you never hear that. You just don't hear it because it doesn't happen. Um, Brian's in Clarion, Pennsylvania. Brian, good to talk to you today.
6: Hi, thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to comment on the Philadelphia gun violence. My parents grew up in Germantown in South Philly. We moved to the suburbs when I was a child in the 60s. But, you know, we used to have uh, mental institutions. Byberry was a big one in Philadelphia, and we used to have state hospitals. Well, they closed them down, and they released the people into the so-called community so they could integrate them. And for the past you know, several decades, our mental health approach has been failing, obviously, because of these gun shootings and whatnot. And of course, they were like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I volunteered at Byberry when I was in school, high school, and, um, you know, or uh, the snake pit. with I got Olivia about 30 seconds, so, so go ahead. Okay, well, we just need to open these institutions yeah, we need more and put these, whack jobs, yeah, put these whack jobs in them instead of in the community so they can be treated. That's it.
1: All right. Well, listen, I mean, you know, and thanks for the call. I, I appreciate it, Brian. I think, look, you know, the, the reality is we have a mental health crisis in this country, no doubt about it. Uh, that's very obvious. There's no question. But, like, to take the shooter in Illinois, for example. They knew this guy was nuts. They knew this guy was crazy. And the cops even came to his house at one time and confiscated his knives and things like that, but he was never arrested. The The biggest problem that I have with red flag laws, for example, two issues. Number one, I find that it's, it's very hard to have any due process whatsoever. So I, I'm opposed to the idea of red flag laws on the very basis of it is a confiscation, And I don't see how you can possibly argue that you have due process if you have not been found guilty of a crime. Number two, if a person's so dangerous that you're going to take the person's guns, what about their car? Are you going to let them drive around? I don't want that person driving around. How about you? Do you want them driving around? I don't think so. All right, we got a lot more to say. This is Fox Across America. Jimmy Fail is off today. I miss him. You miss him. But it's me, Rich Zioli, in for Jimmy. You can tweet me, at Rich Zioli, R-I-C-H-Z-E-O-L-I. Come in right back.
0: Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
1: It is Fox Across America. It's Wednesday. Amazing how the week goes by so fast when it's a four-day work week. I can definitely get behind this. As a policy, I get behind this. Jimmy Fall is off today enjoying the four-day work week. It's me, Rich Zioli from WPHC in Philadelphia with you miles and miles away from the Texas border and yet, nonetheless, affected by it every single day. We are in what is known as a sanctuary city. In fact, um, here's a video of our idiot mayor dancing to the announcement that Philadelphia has become a sanctuary city. And he's a bad dancer, too. I mean, this is the epitome of of the overbite. You know what I mean? He's in a goofy over, like, the suit's too big, and he can't dance, and he's in the hallway. And Jim Kenny stands there, and he goes, we are a sanctuary city, yeah, and he dances. Like like, like, like an old, like, like a drunken guy at a wedding, you know what I mean, who can't dance, and you go, Grandpa, sit down. It was, it, was, oh, it was just bad. That's where we are. And part of the reason why crime is rampant is because we've established lawlessness as a policy in so many places. And... Some counties in Texas now are taking action. You know, they're they're, they're trying to do something about this. And Fox News, we heard about this. If you were watching Fox News today, as a matter of fact, you heard about this because Fox and Friends first this morning, National Border Patrol Council VP Art Del Cueto now calling on Texas Governor Greg Abbott to call what is happening at the border an invasion, an invasion. You know, it's funny, if you listen to the media up in my part of the country, up in the Northeast, they don't talk about the border. They act like it's a giant conspiracy. You know what I mean? It's a conspiracy that you're suggesting that something's happening, that you're making it up. Like, Come on, everything's fine down there. Quit your whining. Everything's fine. There's no problem. There's no crisis. There's nothing to see here. That's literally how they approach things. It's true. They approach things that way. They think that we are all making it up. I mean, if you're down in Texas right now, you're making it up. You're 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 in you're in a fantasy. You're trying to scare people. That's the reality. And why would it be an invasion at the border? It's because we have an administration that is more than happy to have open borders. They believe it. They live it. The entire philosophy of the Democrat Party today is let them in, let them in, no matter how they come, let them in. By air, by le, by by sea, by land, it doesn't matter. And they don't need any sort of documents and they don't need legal status. Just come on in. Take over a country without firing a shot. That's the truth. Well, here's the audio from this morning on Fox and Friends first. Clip number 10.
7: You know, the frustration goes beyond these officials. The frustration has been at, you know, the heart of the many Border Patrol agents that are out there and they've been working, you know, nonstop. Uh, You're seeing the amount of individuals that continuously are coming into the United States claiming some some type of asylum. It's pretty much a catch and release is what's happening. You know, uh, everyone's overwhelmed and somebody needs to do something about it. So you have to have that process. So kudos to these leaders to actually speak up and say something and ask for something to be done because, uh, like they said, nothing has been done by the current administration.
1: Yeah, nothing will be done by the current administration because what's happening down there at the border is exactly the way the current administration wants it to go. They really do. Remember, in politics, you're always governed by extreme forces. And for Democrats, the extreme forces now are open borders, open border Democrats. Biden said it himself. I mean, he said he was going to open the borders, and that's what he's doing, so nobody should be surprised by this. Nobody should be surprised by this. But here's an interesting question. This is Secretary Mayorkas was on with Margaret Brennan talking about human trafficking. And human trafficking is rampant. You know, up here in Philadelphia, in this part of the country, fentanyl is a big problem. We've got a major fentanyl crisis. I talk to prosecutors all the time about this. And fentanyl is all coming in over the southern border. It's just coming in. And, of course, it's, uh, it's the crappy kind, not the good kind. I mean, it's not the kind that they use at hospitals and doctors' offices. And, you know, if you've ever taken fentanyl for a procedure, for example, that's not the fentanyl we're talking about. It's the kind of very dangerous kind that they make in bathtubs and whatnot, not, not clean bathtubs either. Because at least you want to know your fentanyl is going to be coming to you in a clean bathtub. This isn't even that. It's that bad. And then, of course, you have human beings smuggled into the country, human beings, actual living people. See, if you cared about people, you would not want open borders because all it does is encourage trafficking. So if you cared about people, you would want a healthy immigration policy, but you wouldn't want open borders. You would want a immigration policy that is one that is fair, one that is legal, and one that was enforceable. Because otherwise, what happens is bad people take advantage of it. So if you really cared, you know the the, the left is always arguing that pretending like they love people and that's why they want to have open borders. But there's always an unintended consequence of something. And the unintended consequence of just letting everyone come in and having the Border Patrol stand there like a Walmart greeter and just say, hi, do you need directions to the nearest, wherever you want to go? You don't have to actually go anywhere. So you just go wherever you want. I'm not going to make you go anywhere. So have at it. Uh, That's east. That's west. That's north. You know where south is. You just came from there. So I don't need to tell you that. Anyway, here's the uh, audio. Let's start with cut number eight.
8: You are saying right now, what I hear you saying is do not come. But those words are not being heard. People are moving right now. So the efforts to stop the root causes are not stopping them. This horrific trafficking, the worst smuggling tragedy in U.S. history this week with those individuals found dead in that trailer truck, that's not stopping people. Are you predicting that this is only going to get more significant from here, that we're going to go beyond the record surge in migrants?
5: Uh, uh, no, I am. I'm am not predicting that at all. And we're working with our partners to the south because this is a regional challenge that requires a regional response. But they got-
1: <laughs> well, the regional partners want to declare an invasion is happening at the southern border. El Neuorca sounds to me, he sounds like every corporate head of sales giving a bad presentation. There's there's just no passion or drama in his voice whatsoever none none and then he goes on to say well human traffickers you're yeah, quite sophisticated you see they're very very sophisticated people they probably swirl their wine before they taste that i would imagine cut number nine so um, how did this, this smuggler get these alone, people
8: across 53 people died
5: these are very sophisticated transnational criminal organizations and we um, are much more sophisticated using technology and personnel 24 hours a day can a truck get through uh, through sophisticated means? Sometimes, yes. But I have to say we've interdicted more drugs at the ports of entry than ever before. We've rescued more migrants.
1: Yeah, well, um, they're very sophisticated. You understand? They like fine art, fine jewelry. They have many, many leather bound books on their bookshelf. Very sophisticated. What did uh Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, say about the border last week. And by the way, I never thought I'd say this, but I actually miss Jen Psaki. Only because I felt like her snarkiness was at least entertaining. Karine Jean-Pierre is boring to me. You know what I mean? I mean, they're, they they both lie. But at least, I don't know, snarks was the snarkiness. There was kind of fun, like a fun snarky. You know what I mean? Whereas Karine Jean-Pierre just is, there's just not, not much going on there. I, I don't know. I need a little pizzazz. If I'm going to be lied to at the White House podium, at least give me a little pizzazz. Make it a little entertaining for me. You know what I mean? Give me a little fun when you're, when, you know, you're, you're blowing smoke up my skirt, as they say. Not that I wear a skirt, although I could apparently because there's no problem with that. Uh, this is cut number 11.
3: We're focused on them, on the facts, uh, on, and ho- holding the human strugglers who endangered uh, vulnerable individual, uh, individual profits accountable uh, and we're and we're focused on continuing our historic actions to disrupt dangerous smuggling networks, including through a new uh, anti-smuggling campaign that just in the first two months uh, resulted in over 1,800 arrests. Uh, but the fact of the matter is the border is closed.
1: A new anti-smuggling campaign? What does that even mean exactly? And why is this new when we have a crisis going on? It's pretty much a catch and release program at the border, is what's happening right now. So that's what we're talking about right now. Oh, hey, you want you know, speaking of craziness, I should mention to you too, uh, as we're discussing all of these things. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. She was on the Late Show, uh, freaking out over the decision on Roe v. Wade. And there's a lot of freaking out out there. Remember, if you're concerned about the border, you're irrational. You're a lunatic. You're making it up. If you're melting down over Roe v. Wade. That is entirely the appropriate response. But notice her, according to the left's double standard, of course, but notice her phrasing here. And this is particularly interesting to me because I can't tell if it's a war on women or if it's not a war on women. I I just don't know. And I have a difficult time understanding. So take a listen to the language that she used. Cut uh, 26. The Supreme Court has
8: engaged in the overreaching of its authority in denying the human and civil rights of any pregnant person or person that could become pregnant in the United States of America. They have engaged in overreach, and it is the responsibility of the president and Congress to put the Supreme Court in check because they have delegitimized it.
1: Any pregnant person or person who could be pregnant, you heard it here first. We got a great guest coming up. We're going to talk about the border with a member of Congress who represents Texas. This is Fox Across America. Be right back.
0: It's the show that never hits the books.
1: I love the poorly educated.
0: You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
1: Okay, it is Fox Across America. Jimmy's off today. It's me, Rich Zioli. Happy to be here with you and very, very happy to welcome our guest to the show, Congressman Jody Arrington representing Texas's 19th congressional District. Hey, Congressman, thanks for making time for me today. Appreciate it.
2: I appreciate you
1: having me on, Rich. Absolutely. We're talking about the border. We're talking about what's going on down in your home state of Texas. Uh, and I understand now there's more calls for this to be declared an invasion, for, uh, for Texas itself to do something in, in, in light of the administration's failure.
2: Well, yeah. Listen, this president does not have uh, have any show any signs that he's going to change the course that he's on, which is a course of lawlessness and chaos. He's he's placating to the open border uh, left leftist radicals uh, and Texas and border states. Are suffering for it, and our entire country is suffering. And so, you know, we've we've introduced legislation, we've signed on to legislation, we've written letters, but uh, this president is unrelenting, and this uh, uh, crisis is unmitigated and only getting worse. So, you look at the Constitution, Rich. It's 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 very clear and and plainly written. When the federal government abandons its citizens and states like Texas. When, when they do not make good on the guarantee to protect against an invasion, the states retain the sovereignty of self-defense. And that's really the basic principle we're talking about.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because, uh, I mean, it's not funny, but it's ironic. You, you are uh, calling me from Texas. I'm filling in for Jimmy today broadcasting from my home city of Philadelphia where I do the morning show on WPHT, and we are a sanctuary city. For illegal immigrants and when we became a sanctuary city our our moron mayor jumped up and down and did a dance declaring us to be a sanctuary city uh, you tweeted out Congressman that you applaud South Texas for becoming sanctuary counties for US citizens I love that because that's just a smack in the face to cities like Philadelphia
2: yeah while while cities like Philly and, and others around the country celebrate lawlessness and a disregard for a pillar of of our domestic tranquility in our constitutional republic which is the rule of law for heaven's sakes it's sad but you've got these local leaders in Texas basically declaring a sanctuary city for united states citizens for law abiding citizens for for enforcing the laws of the land with respect to immigration. And so yeah, it's ironic, it's sad that it has to be done. But at this point, you know, this this influx, this deluge, not just people and the and the cost to our society uh, and the economic costs that come with it, but the drugs and the crime that is threatening our fellow Americans, the drugs alone, as now the leading cause of death of of Americans aged 18 to 45 is unacceptable. And these guys are standing up, and I pray that our other leaders across the state will do the same because it's our only hope to stave off this invasion and defend our sovereignty and protect our citizens. The only hope.
1: And I'm glad, you know, I mean, it matters everywhere. I always say this notion of what a border state is. We may not be geographically next to the border, but our streets are flooded with fentanyl uh, every day here. And and crime is surging with illegal guns. Where do people think all that's coming from? It's coming from the southern border. It affects everybody around the country.
2: One hundred percent, as people have said, every state and community has become a border state and a border community because because before when we had a 70 percent decrease in illegal crossings, and effectively a secure border, it's because our last president, President Trump, took it seriously and actually had deterrence. They, they, he had the stay in Mexico. He stopped catch and release. People knew that there would be accountability if you broke our laws and cut the line for, for uh, in front of millions who are waiting and going through the legal channels. Now, it is, it is absolute unmitigated chaos, and folks know uh, that they, will be, they won't they will be detained and deported. They will be caught and released, which is a reward and an incentive for people to break our laws. And they're being busted and planed all over the country. People don't know exactly where they're going. They don't notify the local officials. They don't show up for their hearings. So it is it is effectively an open border and and it will be amnesty one day if the Democrats have their way, because those are the pieces of legislation they're putting on the floor every other month is to just basically make these folks legal and even citizens down the road. And that's really the long that's the long game that they're that they're playing right now.
1: Congressman Arrington, obviously the Roe v. Wade ruling last week got all the attention, but the the court's ruling on the Remain in Mexico policy was a very big deal. And uh, it, it, it's something everybody should also be talking about. G- give us your take on what the court's ruling means for our country's future.
2: You bet. Well, I think the court probably got it right, to be frank. As a conservative, I think that there is broad authority and discretion to the commander in Chief. And which really highlights, Rich, the distinction between Donald Trump as commander in chief and our current president. You have one that had the political will to do what it took to protect our citizens and secure our border. And now you've got a president who has basically repealed and unraveled all the effective policies that the previous president put in place and and has – has turned our, our our country into this lawless uh, situation that we're that we're suffering through today. So the, the, there's broad authority, and uh, unfortunately, Congress needs to pass laws and button things up and close loopholes. But until such time that happens, the Commander in Chief and Chief Executive has the discretion, and this Commander in Chief and President is committed to an open border for the long-term goals that I that I just mentioned. And, uh, and uh, so the courts are, are deferring to the, to the executive in this case.
1: Yeah. Well said, well said. I agree with you, Congressman, a hundred percent. Listen, thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate the fight for everybody down in Texas. Congressman Jody Arrington, you can follow him on Twitter at Rep Arrington. Congressman, thanks again for joining me here on Fox Across America.
2: God bless, Rich. I
1: appreciate it. God bless you, sir. We'll be right back. Yes, it is, Fox Across America. Jimmy Thale is off. Probably reading a great book about Hootie and the Blowfish. That's the topic of our next segment. It's me, Rich Cioli, with you, and thank you for being here in Fox Across America. I, like you, grew up listening to the music of Hootie and the Blowfish, and I'm really excited about this book. It's called Swimming with the Blowfish, Hootie, Healing, and One Hell of a Ride. And the author, Jim Sonnefeld, joins me right now. Hey, Jim. Thanks for joining me here on Fox Across America. How are you? I'm doing
9: great, Rich. Uh, Enjoying a day down here in South Carolina, heating up a little bit, but uh, no complaints. It'll be 100 before we know it.
1: Beautiful. Well, listen, I'm a fan of Myrtle Beach. My parents are down there. I try to visit them as much as possible and uh, particularly love uh, Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach.
9: Oh, my goodness. That's where we host our uh, annual fundraising golf event down there. Uh, it's a uh, wonderful, uh, what is it, four courses down there, I think, on that I property? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and, that's not and, bad uh, at all. And you'll have to
1: play at the Alabama Theater at some point.
9: <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm setting our, our sights a little higher than the Alabama Theater, and uh, but well, I can walk there from, from their,
1: their house. That's, uh, you know. So I'm, I'm just thinking of what's convenient. But look, I <laughs> you have big sights, as you should, because you have a great story to tell here. Uh, a meteoric rise, Grammy award-winning musicianship, and then an ultimate rebirth as well, which we're going to talk about. But congratulations on the book. I mean, y- you were part of what is unarguably one of the biggest musical acts of all time during one of the biggest music heydays of all time. Which is the mid '90s? Hootie and the Blowfish. You were the drummer.
9: Yeah, I mean, we uh, we started humbly enough at the University of South Carolina. We just wanted to, to make it, write songs together. We loved to uh, tr- see ourselves traveling around in a van. So we did. We we didn't have any formal training. We uh, wrote pretty good songs. We were gifted with a great singer, Darius Rucker, and we just had a good, friendly bond. The four of us. We loved playing in clubs and we worked hard we wrote good songs and it took about 5 years before uh the music business uh noticed and but things went fast when they did it was it was a that's where the rise was like hard to even conceive and and that's a little bit where I got caught up a few years later in sort of that believe in the hype or just not dealing with you know the fact that you don't get to stay at the top for all time and that was a, a hard thing for me to face but what a ride we had a blast
1: and as you started to to, to have that feeling, you, you started to drink a little too much?
9: Well, yeah. I always loved to drink a little too much. <laughs> Frankly, that was that didn't start then. I, that was when I was a teenager. But I always seemed to go through just phases and never seemed to bother to, to measure myself and, and, and consider that it might be a problem. But it really was, you know, in the early 2000s when, uh, you know, life started to hit me like, oh, my gosh, I'm starting a family. The band is... Uh, shrinking up in uh, the audience size and and the record label doesn't seem to be working our singles at radio and it was it was just a lot to face and it's something you can't plan for and and so I noticed myself sort of uh, using alcohol a little more medicinally and uh, had some interventions had some friends and family of course very worried about me and but I was going to hold out as long as I could I'm a stubborn son of a gun and I didn't want to be told by somebody else how I should live my life so I fought probably too long and too hard to try and fix things on my own
1: and you realize that you were powerlessness uh, powerless to do that and you turn to a you turn to a higher power you you have you live your life now as a contemporary christian artist so i'm i'm assuming along the way you, you you deepened your relationship with with christ and 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 the rest is is your is your new story so to speak
9: yeah we had uh uh, I, I sort of had a literal come-to-Jesus meeting <laughs> and realized I needed to take, a, you know, a different approach. I need a different turn. I need a sort of a admission that I was powerless. And, and, you know, that was that was just the beginning. It's a sort of a long haul when you're 40 years old and you're a successful guy and you think you have the answers and, and you've sort of made that list that says I'm successful. It's a it's a hard time to have to really start rethinking um, your thought process and, and the way you see life and i and i and I did that at age forty and it took me a few years to sort of get a grip of uh the true real pleasures I could live in life you know without drugs or alcohol and uh it hasn't always been easy, but it's been fruitful. Uh, and, and the fact that, you know, my, my family benefits. Uh, it had me take a musical turn, as you mentioned. I write stuff that's about the celebration of life and the, the hope and, and some faith, and that is gives me great pleasure, and I get to bring that music out to people. I decided about four years ago that i try and write down some stuff that might be useful to, uh, to other people. and That's how I came up with the book Swimming with the Blowfish. I just started writing. I wasn't formally trained, but I think we came up with a good book. I think people really appreciate the message.
1: Well, Darius Rucker certainly seems to think so. He, he wrote in the forward: We loved, fought, cried, laughed a lot, and did whatever it took to play the music that we knew was very distinctly ours. Jim Sonny Sonnefeld has lived a life that is rife with fun and pain, light and darkness, but always with an amazing amount of love. The way he sees the world is a -a one-of-a-kind story, and his story is one for the ages. Pretty high praise, Jim.
9: Well, you get to know one another when you drive around in a stinky Ford van for four or five years, you know, (laughs) hitting fast food restaurants for your next meal and... Playing for beer and chicken wings, and and we did. We had a great bond, and we still do. Uh, I've loved to see Darius's rise in country music, and my whole family gets to to go out and see him touring around and working his tail off. And you know, when we got back together for our 2019 group therapy tour, which I write about in the book, it was such a celebration of you know the fact that we had taken a long time off, and most, if not all, of our original fan base were there. To come out and buy tickets and see us uh, on an amphitheater tour, we, we were doing numbers in 2019 like we hadn't done since 1995, which was insane to even think about.
1: Hmm. And I mean, I mean, some of the all of a sudden, you guys, you started. You said the University of South Carolina. You're, you're traveling around in a in a truck, and then one day, you're one of the biggest bands in the entire country uh, with some some of the biggest hits. And, I mean, what was it like making some of those music videos back then? I mean, like, I, I Only Want to Be With You is one of those videos that just still stands out in, in my mind. I mean, that had to be so much fun to make.
9: <laughs> well, I, I, I'm glad we didn't take ourselves too seriously. I mean, when it came to, you know, the visual part of uh, music making and, and music videos, that was something that we always looked at, like, gosh, do we do we have to? We're not, like, great-looking guys. We're not, like super young and uh, we don't know any dance moves. So when we approached music videos, we thought, well, let's just do something authentic. And so that only want to be with you video was about sports. We love sports. We bonded on uh, golf. We bonded on uh, the NFL, college football, baseball, you name it. And so that was just our fun way of saying, Hey, this is the guys that we are we got some good help from some real stars and uh, from the NBA and and from the PGA. And of course our buddies over at ESPN, but you know, it's just to be able to be in that moment uh, to make a music video was huge for us. We were like pinching ourselves, like what? Somebody's paying us to make a music video with people that we have idolized for years. I mean, this is like the, the top for us.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, you know, I, Hold My Hand, Let Her Cry, all these songs were on one of the, the, the biggest debut albums of all time. Crack Rearview sold over 16 million copies and counting. In the United States alone, I mean, that was, that was a huge, and you guys recalled it Overnight Success. That, that was the funny part about it, right? Overnight Success. Like you just started create, creating music, right, Jim?
9: Yeah, I've been called worse things, but yeah, it wasn't uh, entirely accurate that we were overnight successes uh, in the people's eyes. Sure, where did we come from? Who knows? And the, the band name was sort of will uh, catch your ear, but also became sort of a uh, a target at times, and and so did our music, I guess. But. You know, all we ever hoped for as a band was to be able to make music, you know, have some fans in front of us, and maybe the chance to get on radio. So we never really had planned for uh, the idea that we would sell millions of records or be on TV. That just wasn't something we uh, necessarily talked about or, or uh, prepared for. And it's a, it's a weird world to get there and go, wow, are we really here? And... Uh, you know, you try and hold on to it as long as you can. And I'm thankful we still call ourselves a band. We get to use our influence to raise money for, you know, South Carolina charities through our events and and uh, enjoy watching Darius doing his thing on the country stages. Well, you know, we're hoping to uh, continue to make music uh, an impact, um, hopefully not too far down the road.
1: You also have a new album coming out called Remember Tomorrow, which is on sale July 22nd. Uh, and tell us about that
9: well i've been making music uh, that's a little more hopeful and uh pointed at uh solutions to some of our life problems and and uh higher power and so i've been working on a uh e p uh it's got six songs on it it's got uh you know a couple specifically uh christian themed lyrics it's got a couple other that are just good positive you know feeling songs and it's it's rock and roll it's not that far off the Hootie and the Blowfish track. Uh, I was one of the writers in the band for Hootie, so I sort of stuck to that uh, style, if you will, electric guitars, you know, old-fashioned drum sets. None of the pre-programmed stuff that we hear a lot of these days. I kind of old-fashioned that way. I like the organic sound. But yeah, I'm excited. We're going to drop the uh, CD in July, and I'll go around and do shows for different audiences in the southeast. And you know, if we have any luck, a lot of people will listen and. That's what, uh, that's what it's all about, get, inspiring other people. We're huge fans, and I'm a huge fan of music. So, you know, for, for me to be able to make music that inspires others is a big deal because I'm a fan first. I'm, I'm still inspired by music, old and new.
1: I think it's great that you want to actually make music, you know, and and not the pre-programmed stuff. I think that's really important. And obviously, as, as I was reading through your book, what really struck me about your journey was, and something you said earlier, too, this idea that it lasts forever. I mean, you're, you're at the top, you're filling arenas, major stadiums, and then little by little you see the crowds are getting smaller. And was there, was that a sense of, of crisis for you at that moment? Were you you thinking to yourself there, there was not going to be anything after this? I mean, what do you think Jim led you down the road where you had your, your real sort of spiritual crisis at the time?
9: Well, I think since I was unprepared for it uh, and I didn't really know what to do with those feelings, you stare out at a big auditorium and, and you start looking at the empty seats, and uh, you know a year later there's more empty seats, and and your singles aren't moving up the charts anymore. It's a hard thing to try and uh, interpret, and and I, I didn't know how. And I, you know, what I did was always uh, drink to make myself feel better. It always felt like a celebration, and uh, always sort of soothed everything for the time being. But uh, it's weird when you're out there looking at it and realizing, huh what if this was the high point, Uh, especially when we were selling a million albums a month in 1995 with Crack Review, you sort of, we did talk about it and say, guys, this probably is the high point. We are, (laughs) although we've been doing it for a bunch of years, we may have uh, come out so strong in the beginning that the rest of our career may be smaller. And that's a weird, that's a just absolutely weird place. Some artists uh, maybe get the benefit of making four or five albums that grow sequentially and then they have their million sellers. For whatever reason, we came out just booming and then had to sort of consider, hmm, what what is this gonna look like going downhill? But we enjoy making music. We've enjoyed it whether there were twenty people or twenty thousand people in the audience always. Uh you just sort of uh try and understand that some careers have longevity, some don't. I mean look at pro athletes. They you know you get maybe three to five years at the top if you're lucky and that's a small percentage of athletes that even get to the top. So we felt grateful to have ever visited it. Um, and then we just try and sustain it best we can.
1: Well said. Well, looking, looking forward to the great success that continues in the future for you, Jim. Swimming with the Blowfish, hootie, healing, and one hell of a ride. Jim Sonefeld. thanks for joining me here on Fox Cross America. Best of luck, man. Thanks, Rich. God bless. God bless you. We'll be right back
0: you're listening to the most addictive show on the radio this is crack rock cocaine it isn't glamorous or cool or kid stuff this is fox across america with jimmy Fallon.
1: you know i am uh not a fan of cancel culture as you can imagine Shocking, I know, as a radio host, right, to be opposed to cancel culture. Uh, there's a new movie out. It's called Buzz Lightyear. I don't know if you've seen it or not. I, I have little kids, so I've got a 7-year-old, a 5-year-old, and a 2-year-old. And so I'm always up on the new kids' movies because I love to go to the movies. And, I, and, and by the way, if you have not seen Top Gun Maverick, I highly recommend it. It's fantastic. Great to see the American flag so prominently displayed in the movie, throughout the movie, I should add, as well as the Gadsden flag, you know, and the Don't Tread on Me, the whole thing which the left hates, Um, just like a giant, just waving it in China's face. Like, look at it, baby. It's the American flag. Love it. But uh, the new Lightyear movie is stupid, and it's bombing. And the reason why it's bombing is because they didn't put Tim Allen in it. If you're a fan of the Toy Story movies, like I am, like my kids are, uh, then you know that Tim Allen voiced Buzz Lightyear, the toy, for four Toy Story movies. And – Tim Allen is one of us. I mean, I I don't know exactly the guy's politics, but he's pretty outspoken. He makes jokes. He made a joke last week that I'm sure Disney hates. He said, does being pansexual mean you're attracted to frying pans? I mean, you know, some woke executive at Disney just, you know, had probably dropped dead of just an absolute heart attack over that joke. And Tim Allen was complimentary towards Trump. And he's probably a conservative. I mean, at least a libertarian, something of that vein. And he got canceled. Let's face it, he got canceled. There's no other way to put it. Disney decided to drop him, and they put Chris Evans in. Chris Evans is one of the most woke actors you can ever find. Now, I think he was great as Captain America, but he's like the exact opposite of Captain America in real life. He's always tweeting out crazy lefty stuff, but Disney loves that. So they've made him the voice of Buzz Lightyear. Well, Tom Hanks, and I I really did not know where Tom Hanks was going to go on this because he was in the Toy Story movies playing Woody the Sheriff. Woody was the, the, the main character, along with Tim Allen's character of Buzz Lightyear, at least in the first couple Toy Story movies. And he reacted to Tim Allen not being in it. He said, I don't understand that. He, he, he actually, you know, after Tim Allen spoke out and said that the movie had nothing to do with him and no relationship to him whatsoever, it was nothing about the character that he played all this time, and then Tom Hanks said, yeah, yeah, he says, I, I know. He said, um. I, it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense he said actually i wanted to go head to head with tim allen because see tom hanks is in this new elvis movie he plays colonel tom parker who was elvis's manager and he said uh, he said well, what was it like you know to be up in the movies at the same time as the buzz lightyear movie considering you played woody the sheriff all these years in toy story what was it like for you to be in the theater at the same time and he said he said actually i wanted to go head to head with tim allen and then they didn't let Tim Allen do it. I don't understand that. And then the interviewer started to get a little bit uncomfortable and said, "Well, you know, Chris Evans is a big name at the moment." And Tom Hanks responded, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know." He said, "But here's the thing: just as long as people come back to the theaters, then I'm then I'm okay with it. I'm 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 as long as they they do that, you know." So I mean, don't think Tom Hanks is going to go anything and say too too far on a limb here. But just the fact that he, like me, like you. Can't believe it. They canceled Tim Allen. And it's a recognition that they, yes, they did, in fact, cancel Tim Allen. Says a lot right there. Cancel culture. Enough. Enough already. But listen, the old saying, go woke, you go broke. And Disney's hurting because the movie is a bomb. It's a total bomb. Anyway, we got a big third hour coming up right here on Fox Across America. Maybe Jimmy Fallon is in the movie theater right now. What do you think? It's very possible. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for Jimmy. Big hour straight ahead. Tommy Laren's going to be here. Excited to talk to her. Don't go away. It is Fox Cross America. Thanks for being here on this Wednesday afternoon, hump day. It's Rich Zioli from WPHD in Philadelphia. Jimmy's off today. And uh, it's fun hanging out with you this afternoon. As I'm broadcasting from the city where the mayor no longer wants to be mayor. Wants to go to Canada. So it's good time. Good time. Jim Kenny is a disgrace. But he's not like a lot of lefty mayors, is he? I mean, he's really, they're all kind of the same. They're all cut from the same cloth, if you will. Uh, Biden, by the way, is in Cleveland. I just saw this on Fox News. Biden is arriving in Cleveland to give a speech on the economy. And I assume how he's going to further destroy it. (laughs) I think it's basically what uh, what he's looking to do. I'm not quite sure, but it's not good. It's not good right now. The economy is not good. And I have some audio I want to play for you. Some various clips here. First of all, you might have tried to fly recently, and you noticed that your flight kept getting canceled. Bernie Sanders wants to start punishing the airlines by going after them. That's right. Bernie wants to take the big megaphone out and smack the pilots over the heads, make them pay if they're late. But uh, the reality is the airlines have a major staffing shortage problem, as does the, uh, the air traffic controllers, because there have been a lot of pilots and air traffic controllers who were let go because of the vaccine mandates. Uh, They also had some downsizing during COVID, even though they got big government bailouts. The FAA runs air traffic control in this country, and that's a major source of the problem, too. But nobody wants to talk about any of those things. Meanwhile, if you tried to drive over Fourth of July weekend, you probably paid some of the highest gas prices you've ever paid in your life. As Biden goes out and yells at gas station owners, hey, lower prices, be patriotic, huh? Because he has no understanding of the economy whatsoever. none, no, no concept of it. Yelling at gas station owners. Well, Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary, was on with Neil Cavuto. And Cavuto was pressing him on this whole idea of blaming the oil companies. And also blaming Putin. Blaming everybody but Biden's own catastrophic policies on energy. Which are not really catastrophic when you think about what the goal was here. The goal was, of course, to drive up energy prices. That's why they did what they did. But... The rest of us, we feel like it's a disaster. Democrats are loving this. They really are. But let's go there. Let's begin there, shall we? Cut number two.
7: The one group of people that we see who are actually happy about what's happening with gas prices are oil company executives and owners. Uh, we've seen them out there saying, you know, they're not going to increase production. Uh, and uh, why would they when they're this profitable? It's why the president has proposed a use it or lose it policy. You're sitting on these permits or leases and you're not producing in a are way you that's going to lower them? prices. Are uh, you, you, blaming, the the are and you and blaming the you oil know, companies for this? Are you blaming the oil companies for this? Well, I'm certainly holding oil companies uh, responsible for their choice not to produce.
1: What? Their choice not to produce? This administration has made it so incredibly cost prohibitive and time prohibitive for them to produce oil. Why would they? Imagine if you had a business and every day the government was coming after your business. Would you stay in business? No. Would you try to expand your business? You'd have to be a fool to do that. This administration has gone after drilling in ANWR, killing the Keystone XL pipeline, which they did on day one. No offshore drilling. They're not giving out those leases. And then every time an oil company wants to do more refining or drilling, they have to go through a very lengthy whole process. It's like writing a term paper on the impact on climate change. Who would want to do that? Nobody would want to do that. So, yes, of course he's blaming them. It's a three-pronged strategy here. Blame big oil. When that doesn't work, blame Russia. When that doesn't work, blame gas stations. That's the strategy. And that's what the Democrats are doing is they want you to be angry at somebody. Can't be angry at them. Can't be angry with them for deliberate policies now. So then, uh, so then, uh, tried to pivot a little, trying to go after Russia. Then Cavuto followed up, cut three.
7: There are and always have been a lot of different factors that global petroleum markets. One of which, uh, obviously, is the fact that a major oil producing country launched uh, a war of aggression and destabilized uh, so much of the world economy when they did. Uh, but are half of the, pro- so well, wait, wait, that, the second, uh, wait a minute the second half that. of that increase started prior to the first Russian soldiers arriving near Ukraine. You can't blame it all on the Ukraine, right? What about the other half? Well, that. No, was, what about the other half? No, that, that's uh, that's that, a pretty that, important that, half.
1: Yeah, is it? But I think his point was, if it was already going up by half before Russia invaded, how can you blame it on Russia? In other words, market forces were already causing prices to rise. It'd be like if. Um, I don't know if the price of shoes was going up, and it went up by such a dramatic mark. And then Putin invaded Ukraine, and then a year later the price of shoes doubled. You go, yeah, that Putin. Hey, what? Huh? But it was already rising. See, it, it, people are not buying this either. They're not buying this line of argument. But if it is, you got to be consistent. You can't go well on Mondays we blame Big Oil, on Tuesdays we blame Putin, on Wednesdays we blame the guy who owns the little mom and pop gas station. Well, which is it? You We're not that stupid. I mean, some of us are, but not all of us. So can you just at least stick to one villain? In the story, there has to be one villain, really. If you have three villains, it gets confusing. It really does. We, we, we like one bad guy, so give me one. The problem is, the bad guy's not, the audience isn't buying it, and you try to inject another bad guy, and then another bad guy after that. Hell, even on CNN, Oliver Darcy even pointing out that the Biden administration is, misleading the public here. Cut four.
8: I think news organizations need to be a lot more forceful here, Brian, in calling out the president when he misleads the public like this. We know gas station owners aren't really the ones uh, running away to the bank when gas prices go up. Um, There have been stories in the past about how uh, low the margin of profit is for gas station owners on the price of fuel. They make their money usually at the convenience stores. Um, But there hasn't been a really aggressive pushback from the president from news organizations. I think um, that needs to change.
1: Yeah, it, it does need to change. And these organizations... So today on my show in Philadelphia, I had on Sal Resolvado. Sal was also on with Cavuto this afternoon, as a matter of fact. And he was on last night with Jesse Waters Primetime. And Sal represents the gasoline owners in New Jersey. He used to own a gas station himself. And he talked about this very fact that most of the money is made not on gas. It's like two cents a gallon is the profit margin or something like that. It's very, very low. But... It's when you get out of your car and you go in to buy a cup of coffee or you buy a pack of smokes if they're allowed to be sold in certain places. That's where they make their money, and it's a very tight margin. And the reason why prices go up is because, and this is something Biden will never understand about the economy, is you buy it in advance. And then they would love to cut their prices. Don't you think, look, if you're the one gas station in town, wouldn't you love to slash your prices to such a degree that everybody would go to your store? You ever wonder why they don't do that? Why some why some creative entrepreneur who has a gas station doesn't say okay everybody on the street is uh, four ninety five a gallon I'm gonna be three bucks a gallon undercut everybody because you would lose your shirt if you did it that way you would lose your shirt you might sell more gasoline than the other guys but you're gonna lose your shirt and go out of business and owe money too because you'll you'll be you'll be in severely in the red that's why it's not done that way it can't be done that way. But uh, the White House knows that they, they just I mean, Biden doesn't know that, but people in the White House know that. But they still are trying to blame. So here's Biden on Thursday blaming, well, Russia again. This is the day when he blames Russia. And then tomorrow it would be the gas station owners and then back to big oil and then back to Russia. It's like a like a like a clock, basically, just when it hits. Cut seven.
10: We have the strongest economy in the world. The reason why gas prices are up is because of Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. The reason why the free exist exist is because of Russia.
1: Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Russia, Russia, Russia. I mean, come on, man. What is it? Who is it? Who's at fault here? Joe Biden's also blaming nations around the world, too. And it's now the Gulf states. It's their fault, too. He went after them as well. Why not? Cut six.
10: I guess I will see the the king, and the crown prince. But that's that's not the meeting I'm going to. They'll be part of a much larger meeting. I'm not going to ask. I'm going to ask. There's the, All the Gulf states are meeting. I've indicated to them that I thought they should be increasing oil production generically, not to the Saudis particularly.
1: Yeah. So let's do that. Let's empower the Gulf states again, as opposed to doing our own drilling here in the United States of America. You know that China has our oil now, right? We've been drilling oil here. We've been opening up the Strategic Petroleum Reserves, I should say, and China's been getting their hands in our oil. But look, nobody on the left thinks this is a problem. Nobody. Nobody thinks this is a problem. The Democrats are more than happy to have you pay higher gas prices. They're more than happy with it because they think you'll just turn around and buy an electric car. Problem solved. They are so out of touch with what it is like to actually live life in this country day to day. Have to fill up the minivan or the truck because you're a plumber. Right. You're a trucker. You're driving around, filling up. What's that like? By the way, if you want to weigh in, if you're on the road, I'd love to hear from you. Eight, 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 seven, eight, eight, nine, nine, one, zero. This is your uh, your safe space. Weigh in. Like Jimmy always says, you can be a Republican, be a Democrat. Just don't be a bleep. All right. 888 uh, 788 here on Fox News America. Here is uh, the exchange between Corrine Jean-Pierre and uh, Peter Ducey as they try to blame the gas stations again. Cut number one.
0: How did the president go from blaming high gas prices on Putin to big oil to small business owners now?
3: Well, here's the thing about that, um, Peter, is when you look at, um, as of this morning, when you look at the crude oil... Uh, And when you look at wholesale oil prices as well, they've declined about 15 percent. And so retail gas prices, however, have only declined just about 3 percent over the same time period uh, as we have seen uh, with the crude oil prices and the uh, wholesale gas prices.
1: You know, she doesn't understand about buying things in advance, right? I guess she clearly does not understand that point because that's what happens. That's what happens. You know, you have to buy this stuff ahead of time. And then when you buy this stuff ahead of time, you have to sell it at the price you bought it by. And so even if the the wholesale price drops, you've already bought the product at a certain price. But again, you know this. They know this, too. Everybody is pretending right now like we're stupid and we're not stupid. We know this very, very well. And voters know this, too. And that's why voters are giving terrible marks to this administration. This is Fox Across America. It's Rich Zioli in for Jimmy Fallon today. Thank you for being here. Coming right back.
0: Tackling issues of the day in an easy way. He's all man. He's a big, strong looking guy. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
1: indeed. Thank you for being part of the show today. Appreciate it very, very much here on Fox Cross America. Uh, Tommy Lahren's going to be here soon. I'm excited to chat with her about everything that's going on. Looking at uh, Biden addressing the economy right now. Uh, and China may try to claim the moon. Uh, I, I'm not surprised by that. I don't know if you're watching um, that show For All Mankind on Apple TV. I'm afraid this season's getting a little woke. It's very possible. It seems like all these shows go woke eventually. Uh, it seems like this is what happens. But anyway, let me grab a call here. Oh, never mind. Sorry, Darren was here, but he dropped off. He had to run. That's okay, Darren. If you want to weigh in, 888-788-9910. Now, there's a great show that I love. You've probably seen it yourself called Yellowstone. I love Yellowstone. I'm fired up for season number five. Can't wait for season number five. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that because, you know, it's one of those shows. It's not afraid to be who it is. It's not woke at all. They shoot guns. They blow stuff up a lot of fun. Good characters. Good story development. It takes place in Montana. It's in Montana. Beautiful state. Perhaps you live in Montana. Uh, Gorgeous. One of the fastest growing states in the country, which is a problem, though, because um, Bozeman, they call it Boz Angeles now because so many people from California are moving there. And like everything else, they bring their liberal policies with them and they take these beautiful states and they wind up ruining them with their own policies that they try to escape from the blue state they just left. Like the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, who's in Montana right now on vacation. But here's the thing. <laughs> As governor of California, Gavin Newsom, with his very well-coiffed hair, put in a ban on travel to, you guessed it, Montana. Why? Well, he doesn't like their LGBTQ plus HIJK, it's just easier to say every letter of the alphabet, uh, policies. So, as governor of California, he banned travel to Montana. All right, banned it. Except he's in Montana. So they asked his office about that. They said, um, uh, they said, uh, listen, um, I'll tell you something right now. They said, uh, um, <clears throat> here's the thing: he's a, it's, a, it's, 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 a state travel. He banned state travel. That, that, that's it. That's the story. And the governor's going on his own personal dime. So it's uh, completely fine. Wait, what? How is it fine? How is it exactly? How is it fine? It's, it's more hypocrisy is what it is. It's more hypocrisy because you you see that um, those of us who with a with a clean, uh, a clean face, you know, one that's not marred by makeup like Gavin Newsom has understand that when you say you're not going to a state, you don't go there. But Gavin Newsom is literally there and he's there because he's a giant hypocrite. It's also why he's running ads in Florida, too, because he's a giant hypocrite as well. So Newsom's there. Other state employees who want to go there are not allowed to go there. Oh, and Montana may become a state that also bans abortion. I would be surprised if they don't. But uh, come on, it's a beautiful state. What are you going to do? It's a gorgeous state, Montana. It's beautiful. That was great, too. His office was caught. They said, well, you got to realize now the governor is going on his own personal dime. So if you go on your own dime, it's one thing, but it's state travel, We're not going to allow that because of their horrific policies. In fact, the state is so bad, we won't allow the state employees to go there. But it's not that bad because the governor is going to go himself. I mean, it's not that. I mean, it is beautiful, after all. It is beautiful. It's really beautiful. So, you know, it's such an awful, terrible place. We're not going to let our people go there. But if the guy at the top of the food chain wants to go there, can you blame him? It's a really beautiful place. These people make me sick, don't they? The flyover states, they decry all the time. They mock and belittle. And it's where they go on vacation. It's like during COVID too. Where did so many lefty politicians go on vacation? They went to Florida, right? They were decrying lockdowns all the time. All the time they were decrying lockdowns. And uh, they were doing that because they hated to be locked down, even though their lockdowns were causing so many people to want to flee their states. But they were defending the lockdowns while vacationing in places like Florida. And they were crying people who didn't like their lockdowns. Remember, you were anti-science. You were deaf. You know what I mean? All those things. All you were anti. All right. Exactly. But if you wanted to go and enjoy freedom, well, that was completely understandable. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez sitting outside having a glass of Chablis. Do you remember when California Governor Gavin Newsom broke his own rules to go to dinner at French Laundry? Very swanky restaurant in Napa. That's right. With a bunch of people, not wearing masks, all inside, drinking fine wine. I think the dinner tab was, if I'm not mistaken, $27,000, give or take, which is what I usually spend on lunch. Well, I do do a morning show, so by the time lunch comes around, I'm famished. I really am, so some days more than others, but you know what I mean. And then there was, of course, the hypocrisy of my own mayor of Philadelphia, Jim Kenney, who so hates the city that he does not want to be mayor anymore. And he actually, during the lockdowns, shut down our restaurants and was caught in the state of Maryland having crab cakes inside a restaurant. And he said, well, the numbers are really low here. So, you know, I don't mind destroying restaurants in my city, but I'm not going to I mean, I'm going to patronize them in other places. And now he wants to go to Canada. Justin Trudeau is another hypocrite. They're all hypocrites, these people. That's the reality. here. They really are. They're all hypocrites, but the latest is Gavin Newsom going to Montana. So maybe he's going to catch up on Yellowstone. Maybe he figures he'd watch it in Montana. Maybe he's been watching Yellowstone. He loves it so much. He said, I have to go, even though I've banned travel there, even though I've banned travel to the state. It just looks so beautiful on TV. I have no choice. This is Fox Across America. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for Jimmy Fallon. Tommy Laren's going to be here next. But you better not go away. This is Fox Across America. Jimmy Fallon is off today. It's Rich Zioli from WPHC in Philadelphia. Great to be with you this afternoon. So much going on, and I'm really excited because she is fearless. She is Tommy Lahren, and she is my guest right now. Tommy Lahren is is fearless. Fox News contributor. You know her. You love her. On Twitter, at Tommy Lahren. Hey, Tommy, thanks for joining me.
8: Oh, it's great to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Absolutely. uh I loved how you tweeted out a short time ago, amazing how the New York Times can be so blatantly racist and just seemingly get away with it.
8: Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I think it's so interesting. They are so threatened by anybody of color that also happens to be a conservative. You know, they they would never say anything about that of somebody of color if they were on the, the right side, as they, they think, the liberal side, the Democrat side. Of course, they hail those people as heroes and as martyrs and many other things. But if you're a conservative, it doesn't matter what skin color you are. They just don't like you. And they'll say a despicable thing about you. And of course, this particular tweet that I was talking about is New York Times labeling a new representative, Myra flores as extreme right-wing latina i can't think of anything more racist than to put that out but there goes the new york times
1: yeah that's very very true the rise of the latina i mean it's just it's amazing what they can say and they just have absolutely no shame uh and you know you also pointed out too earlier today that so much of what we're seeing right now in the country is absolute hypocrisy i i mean I, for one, think that the Democrats are completely panicking right now. I mean, I'm watching Joe Biden get off the plane in Cleveland, going to speak on the economy right now. I don't know what the hell he's going to say. He doesn't know what the hell he's going to say. He hasn't read it yet. He'll read it on the teleprompter soon. But, I mean, Democrats have to be panicking, don't you think? I mean, it's, it, there's nothing they can say that can salvage their chances in midterms.
8: Well, you would hope so. But, listen, the thing about Democrats, I wish they were just stupid. But, unfortunately, they're not stupid. They're incredibly strategic. Everything that they've done in the last couple of years has been to make people more reliant upon government. So yes, the economy is doing poorly. Americans are doing poorly. But unfortunately, I worry that they're going to be able to convince a lot of low information viewers and voters that somehow more government will solve that problem. And if that is the case, and they're able to convince folks of that, we're in for a real problem. And that's why we need to have our message, our narrative, our solutions on the Republican side stronger than ever, to combat all of that government caused this problem, more government is not going to solve it. That has to be what we're putting out in our messaging.
1: I know. And, and every day Biden's blaming someone new, Tommy. I mean, you know, it's one day it's, it's Putin. The next day it's big oil. Now he's going after little mom and pop gas stations. The guy can't figure out which villain he wants to attack on which day.
8: Yeah, it's gas stations, it's grocery store owners, it's the airlines. All the things come back to a failure of leadership and a dereliction of duty. But, of course, he would rather blame everybody in sight than take any accountability himself. But I don't even just blame Joe Biden. I blame the Democrat Party as a whole. And this is where we have to be very careful, again, in our messaging. Because I believe the Democrats are getting ready to throw Joe Biden under the bus. It's going to happen in November, if not sooner. They're going to get rid of him. He is dead weight for them. But they're going to try to convince us that all the problems were just a joe biden problem and not a product of their policies and we cannot let them get away with that
1: all right so so make your prediction so they're going to dump joe biden who who do you think are the top three that takes over and in his place
8: Well, listen, I think that who they're trying to perch up, or at least who's trying to perch himself on that, that throne, if you will, is California Governor Newsom. And I say that not only because Gavin loves attention and spotlight, and I think he's been eyeing 2024 for a long time, but also because of the recent ads that we've seen of him targeting Ron DeSantis. I think he's reading the tea leaves. He knows that Ron DeSantis is likely going to be our candidate. So he's already starting to take shots because Gavin wants to be their guy.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think you are exactly right. He's also in Montana today. You know, he's vacationing over there. I guess he's a big fan of Yellowstone.
8: Listen, Montana has been hijacked by California liberals, and I say that as a proud South Dakotan. Who hopes that they just stay in Montana? Because they are fanning out Montana, Wyoming, they're coming to South Dakota, they're coming to North Dakota, and that's all fun and dandy, but please don't bring your politics with you. They love to vacation and they love to live in the great red states, but they need to vote like it too. Uh, Gavin's never going to vote red, so I just hope he turns tail and runs back to California.
1: And he's such a hypocrite. I mean, he's banned travel to Montana for state employees of California. Yet that's exactly where he's vacationing now. And his excuse was, well, listen, that's state funded travel. Uh, This is the governor's personal expense. I mean, what a fraud this guy is.
8: The governor's personal expense, like the night that he dined out at the French laundry without a mask, when he was telling everybody else that they couldn't gather and they had to wear a mask. That Gavin Newsom, yeah. I'm sorry, but I think we need to fact check everything that comes out of that man's mouth. He's slimy. He gets away with everything, and that's a part of that California Democrat machine. Nancy Pelosi, same way. Kamala Harris, same way. They're all cut from the same cloth.
1: Oh, you're down in Nashville, and uh, it's one of my favorite places. I was reading today how many people are moving to Tennessee and are benefiting from Tennessee's policies, not only on the economy but also freedom. People are escaping these blue states and the lockdown COVID policies were a big part of the reason why people are going to states like yours.
8: Oh, they certainly are. And listen, I've talked to a lot of realtor friends and they say a lot of the Californians that are moving in, they are understanding that the policies of the Democrat Party are broken. So I'm happy to hear that. But I'll tell you, back during the 2020 election, that wasn't so. A lot of the Californians that fled here. And by the way, I left California to come to Tennessee. Obviously, I vote red. But I saw a lot of Biden signs, a lot of Biden-Harris around from a lot of these Californians that promised that they didn't want what they had in California, but then they had Biden and BLM signs everywhere. So it remains to be seen when we head into midterms and into 2024. But boy, I really hope they don't California or Tennessee.
1: Tommy, I just don't understand how somebody could get away from a blue state and then get to a red state and then literally spend every waking minute trying to replicate the policies they just escaped.
8: Well, it's called liberalism and it's a disease and it's more powerful <laughs> than COVID, I can tell you that. Uh, you know, you'd hope that people learned their lesson, but unfortunately, they seem to think that if they just move somewhere else, that then we need to start applying those policies. And if we apply a few and, you know, we bring more, a little bit more regulation and a little bit more wokeness, that that won't be so bad. But uh, it, it never turns out well. And I also tell you this Nashville is a blue city. We've got a Democrat mayor, a lot of Democrats in Nashville. Nashville votes blue. But those same Democrats that vote blue in Nashville also take advantage of a red state. So that's also the problem. You're seeing it in Texas as well. you got people living in Austin who are Democrat that vote blue, but they sure love being in the red state of Texas. So we need to find that connection with people and get them to understand.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think uh, one other thing, too, is education. I mean, obviously, this is a big part of it because— Uh, So many, you know, I'm in Philadelphia where I broadcast in Pennsylvania. We had so many people running for office to decrying the policies uh, of the CRT and the lockdowns and the mask policies and everything else. I think if there's one saving grace to everything, it's that a lot of moms and dads woke up in this last election. They saw what was happening. They saw their kids were reading. Uh, in New Jersey where, where my kids go to school right now they're going to be learning in the public school soon. they're going to be learning about climate change. You can only imagine what, what sort of lens the kids are going to learn that through what that filter sex education you know telling five-year-olds that they can change their gender. I think it's also going to play heavily in the midterm elections because I think parents have had it.
8: I think they have, too, and and unfortunately, I wish that our DOJ treated the people that are threatening our Supreme Court justices with the same venom that they treated, you know, parents at school board meetings, calling them domestic terrorists and the need to investigate them. So, unfortunately, we've got a lot of issues and a lot of parents are too intimidated to speak up, and I think COVID was the straw that broke the camel's back. But looking back with COVID in our rear view, I hope that those same people that were so frustrated for so many years in 2020 and 2021 – Hope that they remember that in November.
1: What do you think is going to happen in uh, 2024? You, you think uh, I mean Trump's going to run? DeSantis runs. Wait, how do you see that shaping up?
8: Listen, I think what would be best for our party and best for our country is if Donald Trump decided to be a kingmaker. He went around and he helped all those candidates that need to win in their state elections that need to win their congressional seats, the Senate seats. I hope that Donald Trump uses his incredible voice and platform to advocate for America first candidates that he likes and appreciates. And then I hope he steps aside and he allows Ron DeSantis to make a run at the White House, because if Ron DeSantis runs, we will not lose mail-in ballots be damned even whatever they try to pull with their ballot boxes and whatever I think that it'll be such a landslide for Ron DeSantis and the proof is in the pudding and how well Florida has done I think that is the way we need to go and I just hope that Trump is able to put his ego aside just a little bit and make that transition away from the White House and into a different role
1: you are definitely fearless no doubt
8: (laughs) well hey I appreciate that I'm called a lot of things but I'll take fearless
1: Well, people love you, and I can see why. And uh, we—I mean, I know why. So I appreciate it very, very much. I appreciate your candor on it. I, look, I think—I think, I think uh, everything you say makes a lot of sense. I think that what you're seeing right now is um, for—it's the end of Biden's presidency. It's just a matter of time, really. Um, I think that Kamala Harris is a giant dope. I think everybody thinks that. Um, what What happens though if she becomes president? I mean, you think there's a primary against her? There's no way. There's no way the party coalesces around her, right?
8: No, I think that was their initial goal. I think that's what they wanted to happen until they realized how bad Kamala was. So now I think they're looking at Pete Buttigieg. I mean, nobody that they really have at that level right now is even someone that they want. I think they're really going to be looking at Gavin Newsom. I think maybe Stacey Abrams was in the running for a while as their next big person. But now I think they're realizing that uh, Gavin's got maybe the hair and, and the sleazy attitude enough to be their guy. And I, I got a lot of ammunition against uh, Gavin Newsom after living in California for three years. So run, Gavin, run, and I hope to see Ron DeSantis absolutely pummeling.
1: Tommy Laren, she's fearless. Tommy, thanks so much for joining me here in Fox Cross America. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. God bless. All right, God bless you. All right, uh, thanks for way weigh in. Let me know what you think. If you agree with Tommy about Trump, and Ron DeSantis, 888-788-9910, 888 9910 You can also tweet me if you like, at Rich Zioli, R C H Z E O L I. It's interesting, is it not? All the drama, the palace intrigue, I love it. This is Fox Across America coming right back.
0: It's the number one children's show in the country.
1: He's a lot better at radio than he is being a dad.
0: <gasps> oh, snap. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
1: Well, it's been fun hanging out with you this afternoon. Thanks for uh, indulging me with your attention. I appreciate it, at least as much as you did. I don't blame you for distracted. It's been a long week. These uh, four-day weeks are killer, aren't they? No, I, you know, as I think about Philadelphia, because it's where I'm broadcasting from, and I think about our mayor who's a disgrace and wants to quit and no longer be mayor, uh, after two officers were shot Monday, 4th of July celebration, it's so emblematic of what's happening across the country with the left in crime. It really is. It's so emblematic of that. And uh, Pennsylvania is a state that we have to win. The Republicans have to win Pennsylvania if they want to swing the majority, if they want to keep the Senate, if they want to win back, if, keep the majority in the Senate. Remember, if the Democrats get control of the Senate, they do a number of things. They've been very open about this. They'll do a number of things. First of all, they will make D.C. the 51st state. They will destroy the filibuster. They will run the gamut and have the majority. This is their long term plan. And then probably make Puerto Rico a state as well. And then they'll just, it will be, we'll never, Republicans will never, ever be able to get the majority back if that happens. And once the Democrats destroy the majority, the, enjoy the, destroy the filibuster, that's it. It's game over. John Fetterman is the Democrat candidate for United States Senate for Pennsylvania. He's the current lieutenant governor. Nobody has seen this guy in months, he had a stroke right before the primary in May, had a stroke. No one has seen him. He's running against Dr. Oz. Dr. Mehmet Oz is the candidate, was backed by President Trump. Memedaz Oz won the primary. I think he's got a very good chance of winning in the general election. It is a seat currently held by outgoing Republican Senator Pat Toomey. Fetterman is a socialist. He's a socialist, and like so many other socialists, he's a gigantic hypocrite. Well, it turns out that according to the Washington Free Beacon, While he was pushing COVID lockdowns during 2020, another hypocrite, he took a $3,500 trip to Ocean City, New Jersey, June of 2020, at taxpayer expense. Taxpayer-funded security detail on his family vacation to the Jersey Shore while publicly advocating strict coronavirus lockdowns, including keeping schools closed. He was there from June 24th to June 27th, and Pennsylvania State Police spent $3,500 for overtime, food, and lodging during his trip to Ocean City, New Jersey. And this hypocrite wants to become the senator for the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. He made the trip amid a surge of cases in both New Jersey and Pennsylvania in the earliest days of the pandemic in June, when people were canceling their vacations left and right. At the same time, that the state of New Jersey was telling people not to come. In fact, New Jersey's governor, the King, King Philip the Unaccountable, threatened to crack down on anyone who was traveling to the Jersey Shore at a time because of a spike in cases there, literally right before Fetterman came to, have to do his little his little trip. So these people are the ultimate hypocrites, are they not? It's amazing to me. It really is. Absolutely amazing. Whether it's Newsom, whether it's Fetterman, on and on it goes, it's the same thing. But remember something, people see the hypocrisy and they don't like it. I don't like it. Do you like it? Who does? Who likes hypocrisy? Nobody. There's very few things in life that uh, make me angrier than a hypocrite, honestly, truly. I mean, there are all kinds of things in life that really burn me. But that is one of those things I just can't stand. Somebody who says, hey, stay in your house. But I'm not saying in my house, I'm going. I'm going to go someplace else because I don't like my house. But you stay in your house. That happens all the time. Um, I'll tell you something else, too. You know, Lori Lightfoot is a total hypocrite. The mayor of Chicago. This was her yesterday going on about... um, the public discourse in america it's too tough it's too mean it's too mean it really is mean. It's got to, something better has to happen now uh cut 22.
3: the toxicity in our public discourse is a thing that i think we should all be concerned about right and it's ironic obviously that we're having this conversation and what happened on independence day you know we're not like a lot of other countries where uh, independence, their version of Independence Day is marked with, you know, tr- uh, troops and tanks. And no, what we do in the United States is we come together as a community.
1: Right. Here's Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot on June 25th, cursing at Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. If you read Clarence Thomas' concurrence, he said, thank you, f- Clarence Thomas. Oh. You go he girl. we are going to stand idly by when they take our rights. Yeah. Well, you know, blank you Clarence Thomas and we got to work on our civility. Here's Joe Biden on Friday as he scares everybody into America moving backwards cut 25. I
10: share the public outrage at this extremist court that's committed to moving America backwards. But ultimately, Congress is going to have to act to codify the row into federal law
1: well there you go um all about the niceties and the rhetoric right am i right i mean come on obviously we all want to be nice to each other um before the show ends though i'd be remiss if i did not once again play alexandria ocasio-cortez on the late show with stephen colbert and what she said about what the supreme court has done cut 26
8: the supreme court has engaged in the overreaching of its authority in denying the human and civil rights of any pregnant person or person that could become pregnant in the United States of America. They have engaged in overreach, and it is the responsibility of the president and Congress to put the Supreme Court in check because they have (laughs)
1: delegitimized themselves. This war on pregnant persons must stop. Uh, Birthing persons? The war on birthing persons. See, I always thought it was the war on women. They were screaming about that for the longest time, the war on women. Now it's the war on birthing persons or... Persons who could be a birthing person. Doesn't have the same ring to it, though, does it? No, it really doesn't. Hey, listen, thanks so much for hanging out with me this afternoon. Always a pleasure to fill in for my buddy Jimmy Fela. He's the best. The man is a genius. Love the guy. Hopefully by now he's caught something. We hope he has anyway. And I mean fish. Not, nothing else. It's Rich Zioli from WPHD in Philadelphia. Have a great day. Thank you.